0: Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast, where we're interview the source of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency, specializing scaling SaaS companies. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Sean. He is the CEO over at Active Inman and also Funnel Flare. So first of all, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And I know everyone's busy. Everyone's got things going on. So uh, I appreciate your time on here. And to get started, why don't you just tell us a bit more about your background, yourself, and really how everything came to be.
1: Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for having me. I'm um, very excited about this. So yeah, I'm Sean Leonard, like you mentioned, I'm the CEO of, uh, the company's actually Jump Demand Inc, but uh, we have two brands, one is Active Demand and the other one is Funnel Flare. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, uh, my background is, is, actu- is actually in industrial automation. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting that sales and marketing automation that isn't where automation started, it actually started in manufacturing. So uh, my background is in process automation and manufa- in manufacturing and process control. And uh, after a previous uh, exit, uh, I had time and money to uh, uh, take my expertise, what I've learned from automation and apply it to uh, customer acquisition, so.
0: Very cool, very interesting. So how was that transition, right? Like- it's very a very hands on and it's still a kind of hands on setting everything together and putting everything in place as far as marketing automation goes but how did those two kind of come to be like where how did you find the you know the the, the gap in the marketplace essentially to create the product
1: yeah it's a good question and uh, so when we came we entered it was uh, i don't know if you've read this this book uh, blue ocean strategies Clearly, marketing automation was a bloody red ocean. There's a lot of players, a lot of big players. It was very competitive. Um, But one of the things we sort of recognized, and I recognized this uh, when I was at my last company, is that digital marketing is very complex, but at least it's changing. Right. So it's a case that uh, a lot of companies out there, they're they're either they're experts at something other than digital marketing, unless they're a marketing agency. Yeah. So I saw this shift happening more towards people just getting marketing agencies just to do the work for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we uh, exited the previous company, it was a case that uh, we thought, OK, was actually the gap in the market is actually very few marketing uh, agencies are actually using yeah. Uh, uh, automation. Mm-hmm. And for, so we thought uh, really what we needed to do is come in and uh, uh, build a platform that was built by a marketing agency for a marketing agency to be more infrastructure rather than a, Hey, you know, uh, start the conversation as an agency to start selling software. Right. So we started a digital marketing agency focused on industrial automation and bootstrap the platform. From the ground up for us as an agency solving problems that we were facing on a daily basis. Then we pivoted. And uh now we're uh in the business. Our our primary focus is is helping digital marketing agencies grow the retainer businesses and uh, simplify the marketing stack and allow them to demonstrate value delivered. Right.
0: Very cool. And that's one thing that typically I see with with people on the podcast is that many of them actually started as an agency and that's when they start to realize that there are trends with specific problems. Um, and then they, they start working really, you know, on a product for in-house and they plan on using that with their clients. And then as they start to like notice more and more just happening, they realize that they definitely have something on their hands that they can just mass, you know, distribute essentially, and let other people use as, um, as a main product. So that's really, really cool. Now, how long has active demand been around for?
1: Um, so we uh, we probably wrote the first line of code in 2012 but uh, that was as an opera uh, as the marketing agency mm-hmm. and the the full pivot where we burnt the ships because we couldn't operate as an agency and sell to agencies so we um, we did the pivot I think it was I think it's been about three or four years now yeah. so it's uh yeah, it was, we thought at first, let's just introduce the brand. Then we said, no, nope, it's obviously causing some issues. So we, uh, because of our target client base was people that we are competing with. So right. that we sense. did the full pivot.
0: Very cool. What was the hardest thing about that?
1: Uh, yeah that's there's two difficult things in that uh, one is that uh, as an agency we're primarily focused as uh, as a services business, so the mm-hmm. kPIs of a services business are very different than a saAS business, and all of our thinking is about services and uh, project managing of the services this type of stuff mm-hmm. so there's a the biggest challenge is shifting the thinking of the company so, itself right mm-hmm. you 're no longer services you 're a product company and right. So all the KPIs we're measuring everybody on are now changed. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had to sort of shift our internal staff. And whenever that happens, there's, you know, obviously there's, uh, uh, there's going to be a bit of shift in personnel too, right? So uh, that's, that's, that was the biggest challenge is basically in-house getting the thinking around it. Uh, the second piece, of course, is, uh, is managing the, the change in revenue. Right. Because if you're uh, what's keeping the lights on is the services revenue, you can't just unplug uh, unless you have lots of cash. Right. Right. And uh, if you have lots of cash, you can write it out. But uh, uh, we wanted to do it in a way that uh, kept the lights on and, you know, kept kept the funding going ourselves. So very,
0: very cool. Now, one of the things that I've realized um, and I've experienced as well is that typically you don't see marketing agencies marketing themselves. Right. And, and I think it's, I don't know why it is like, it's obviously you're competing with people that know what they're doing. So it's definitely harder. It's more expensive. So you only really ever see like the biggest players doing it um, that have those huge retainers from big, big companies, right? Contracts. And, and they have the ability to spend that kind of money. But what is the difference between essentially marketing and finding customers for what was the difference, right? Um, for for the agency compared to now active demand, like what what efforts are being done now that weren't doing that you weren't doing before?
1: Yeah, so it's it's that's actually quite interesting because uh, when we started our agency, we were vertically focused and heavily geared towards a retainer model, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so which is is very similar to a SaaS business where you know uh, it's about uh, you know gaining MRR gaining sustain, sustained MRR, which are subscriptions, which is a retainer model for for agencies. So, yeah. uh, and as vertically focused, we were very, uh, um, we did a lot of account-based marketing because we knew which companies we were uniquely positioned to help. Mm-hmm. And that's the same now too. Uh, what's different is that clearly when we were an agency, we were targeting specific companies that were not agencies and now, have a heavily targeting agency so uh and the one thing that was kind of nice is that you know even though we were <clears throat> as an agency targeting industrial companies, that was our our one vert- one of our verticals, mm-hmm. and typically they're big companies not and but really really behind on a marketing perspective, and some of them are harder to find right uh just because they haven't done the marketing whereas agencies. Well, Everyone has their shingle up. So it's very easy yeah. to find <laughs> marketing agencies, whether they're doing a fantastic job of marketing themselves or not. Mm-hmm. It's easy to find them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then
0: they're usually very like, for the most part, they're, they're rather active online compared to, you know, like, like you said, like all the other, especially that niche that you were in, you don't typically yeah. expect those people to be super active. So that makes complete sense
1: yeah you could the other the downside of it is though and it's actually the inverse uh of industrial automation companies when we are targeting industrial automation companies you'll find these websites that are you know a table table-based website that was built in you know the you, know, you would think the 80s or something yeah. and yet they're a huge company whereas the inverse is true with marketing agencies they'll yeah. have a fantastic beautiful website but one person working you know and that's the
0: typical thing right like you can't I guess in this case you really can't judge a book by its cover that's right Uh, (laughs) right? you just have to I guess that's when you have to kind of I mean what what would you do in that case like what kind of you know research do you do on a company before actually pitching it or or, or
1: yeah so our play both in both cases is uh, uh, we are have always used this concept of adaptive marketing and the concept of adaptive content. And that's sort of our niche play as a, as well as a marketing automation platform is we can fully adapt, completely adapt the website in real time to the buyer profile and the stage of the buyer journey. So when we target somebody, we can be very personalized and if they go to our website, the whole website is about them. So whether it's a one man shop or a, you know, a 200 person agency, mm-hmm. the story is the same. We're going to personalize everything for them, right? Mm-hmm.
0: What's well, been the hardest challenge as far as scaling active demand and, and also funnel flare, I, I guess, I don't think we mentioned like the difference between the two services at the beginning, right? So let's get a little background on essentially active demand for everyone that's listening and then funnel flare for, for everyone that's listening also.
1: Yeah. So process automation for customer acquisition, that's really what uh, we've been focusing on as a company. And so uh, active demand is the tool set used by marketers for applying pressure to a population of people to create sales ready leads, Mm -hmm. right? That's really what marketing automation is. It's for attribution. It's a tool set used by marketers to drive demand. And uh, the, once the demand has been, once the marketer has handed it off to the sales organization, One of the things we're seeing is that the salespeople, they're not experts, right? Marketing agencies and marketers are experts. Salespeople are not. Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenge I think any sales organization has is getting their salespeople to actually use a CRM. Right. And uh, so, what we've done is we've taken a lot of our advanced process automation concepts and baked them into recipes and created a sales enablement platform mm-hmm. where they come in, it bolts onto their sale, their CRM, and it just helps them rapid fire, get through a lot of leads and, uh, and uh, optimize their process. So, it's sales enablement. So, that's really the difference between the two, but the core right. is still uh, customer acquisition, uh, automation, and automating tasks, et cetera.
0: Very cool. So what's been really, you know, you're clearly in a, in a red ocean right? like you have a lot of different people that are doing very similar things. So how do you then compete in, in that kind of space?
1: Yeah, so uh, there's, a, there's actually two questions there. One is the biggest challenge, and the, the second is how do we compete? Right. Uh, so I think the the biggest challenge is, and I think every company faces it, is just uh, one is, you know, as you're growing, cash burns, right? It's uh, uh, As you're, especially in, well, any company, if you're growing rapidly, it's going to, it's going to be burning cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, finding good people right, is, is another challenge I think that any company faces, not just a SaaS vendor. Um, but how we differentiate ourselves, the second piece is two, twofold, is we dog food our platform. It's uh, There's a lot of companies that uh, are at a disadvantage because they do not have active demand yet and uh it's a case that we can the our ability to do full dynamic personalization uh uh hyper targeting of individuals Mm -hmm. we use what we sell and uh it's a case when somebody we are really brash about it too is when somebody comes to our website the website is talking to them you know the brand is on it their name is on it so it really Pops because right. most people, even if they've used marketing automation before, and some of the marketing automation vendors do have some, per, you know, have personalization capabilities. But to be able to fully adapt a website, it's like a slap in the face. It's like, yeah. whoa, is <laughs> that actually possible? So, right.
0: what is is there any any uh, drawbacks to that? Like, is, do people ever find it? You know, like you hear it all the time, right? Like, I, marketing is getting really creepy and all these things. Do you ever? hear that from from anyone that visits the website or anything like that
1: yeah and uh, I would say no and uh, the reason being and I've done presentations on personalization and dynamic content and all of this stuff and uh, really the the audience that we're targeting which are clearly uh, uh, marketing companies uh, when they see it, they know what 's going on, and they yeah. get excited <laughs> right But if we are targeting trying to do this industrial automation we couldn 't do the same brashness right we couldn 't so yeah, we are brash specifically for the point that we want everybody who 's really a successful marketer they understand the power of data and personalization right, right, right. and it 's like oh well
0: <laughs> so at, at this point, I guess it really depends on who you 're actually going after right? like. For like, like, and you. I think you worded it perfectly. Whenever I see something that's highly personal, um, you know, that's obviously like they know what I'm doing, they know what who I am, whatever. Like, I love it, and I and I eat it up. Um, but I can see, you know, like even if it's just like consumer products or something else where the, the people don't necessarily understand what's happening, then it kind of gives them that sense of. You know, <laughs>
1: Facebook's listening to my phone calls or something. Yeah, and it's really and it's the same thing with all personalization or any automation. It's uh, you have to know the audience, and it's sort of the the challenge is getting what I call the robot out of the room. Right? Is uh, it's uh, it's got to be an experience where. Uh, it feels natural and I'm, I'm being helped. It's like, you know, people are all freaked out about, uh, you know, privacy and stuff. But look at the popularity of Alexa and, and Google Assistant and Google Home devices in people's houses. Why is they've successfully got the robot out of the room and made it so that it's actually useful, right? Right.
0: And, and that's the thing, too, right? I think whether people complain or whatever they do, at the end of the day, they benefit from it. And yeah, that's right. They, and they enjoy it.
1: And as a marketer, and you're using these types of tools, that's what you have to do. Is you have to put what's in it for me. You have to think about the the buyer journey and what's uh, what's holding somebody up, right? So uh, if you can add that value during the journey with personalization, psh, doesn't. Of course, you have to. Again, keep the yeah. robot out of the room, but right, right. Uh, for us, we want to, dis- here's the robot, we want to introduce you to the creep, you're going to enjoy him, <laughs> right? And people, yeah, like yourself, as if they see yeah. it and they see it working well, they get excited.
0: Yeah, so. totally. 100% agree on that. I would shift gears a little bit more into the personal side of, you know, growing a business, growing a SaaS company, and, and I guess kind of like how you cope with things. So... On a personal level, what's the most challenging thing of of having a business, you know, and and, and growing it, and, and obviously there's stress that comes with that. So, like, how do you how do you deal with that, essentially?
1: Yeah, that's a uh, another good question. Um, and at the very beginning of the business, uh, you know, I surrounded myself with people that uh, uh, I had history with, mm-hmm. right, and who've uh, been people i've I, i've trusted as people have worked with in the past and uh and so right at the beginning we had a core group of people that i'd been working with for for many years or had experience at the executive level and then as we built we uh again it was we did hiring practices that uh we surround ourselves with people that we like and people that we can enjoy coming to work every day because yes there is stresses but uh one of the stresses can't be the culture right it has to be the case that uh you come in and the people you see and the people you engage with are people you enjoy being with right Mm -hmm. and then it's really just climbing the mountain together and yes it's stressful climbing a mountain but uh if you get the personal thing out of the way then it is just the task of you know picking the next hill finding the strategy to pick the uh, to climb Mm -hmm. the next hill etc right totally
0: yeah and that's the thing you know like people they spend so much of their lives working. Um, like, I mean, majority of it and if you're going to go to work and, and, you know, you can't stand being there then I think that like something needs to be changed, obviously.
1: Um, Yeah. And we're very, very, you know, we're very cognizant of that. So it's, uh, yeah we we were very careful on how we're hiring people and uh, uh making sure that they are coming in knowing what it is and uh and that uh, uh yes it's it's uh hopefully we're matching the person with the job and that uh, they're having fun too so uh, and I've been very fortunate that i've got to have, have some very good people and uh people that uh allow me to um it was actually an interesting uh, phrase that one of my uh, previous uh, C- the CEO of my previous uh, company said mm-hmm. to me was saying, uh, Sean, you've got to find people who will um, uh, uh, do the worrying. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, why are you losing sleep over this? You've got yeah. to have other people, you've got to delegate the, the worry. Right. right? right. And uh, so if you can find people that get excited about their, little piece of the of the mountain and are able to worry and enjoy worrying about that. They, they're not worrying about a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, so it's sort of like a distributed <laughs> nature of, of, uh, of distributing the stress, so to speak.
0: Right. And, and you brought up a good point, right? When, when you're in a position to start delegating uh, and obviously like the audience of the podcast, is a lot of, found, a lot of really startups, founders, et cetera, people that are looking forward to like starting their own business. So, when do you know that you know you will obviously have to start handing off things and it's a lot easier said than done? So, how do yeah. you get to that point?
1: Yeah, and it's it's back to the original uh statement is about uh the hiring practice at the very beginning when you're starting a company. Uh, one is I'm very you know you have to be very careful about uh, partnering with folks because uh, partnering is, is absolute marriage. And all of a sudden, once the ring's on, things are a little are more difficult than they normally would be. Right. But, uh, uh, regardless of whether you're partnering or you're, you're hiring at the beginning is, uh, is find people that, uh, uh, that, uh, um, you trust, you know, that have, if you're lucky, find, that have water on the bridge with you so that, uh, you know what, I'm hiring this person for finance, I'm not good at the, you know, the, the minute, this person is mm-hmm. let them do it. Right. right. And, uh, I've always been of the philosophy in a, in all my leadership roles is, uh, find people that are good at that piece that you're hiring for. And, uh, give them the, the scorecard and them let them run towards it, right? If you're yeah. going to hire junior people that have never done anything before, you yeah. can't give them a scorecard. You can't trust them. You, right. you have to coach them, right? Totally. But if you hire people that you know or have experience with, yeah, you don't want to be in the, in, the, in the job of yeah, yeah. micromanaging people. Just give oh, them a yeah. scorecard. Let them that, go. I feel
0: like that just gives you another thing to worry about at that point. Instead of taking, really taking it off of your, your plate,
1: yeah exactly and the the scorecard is important right mm-hmm. it's uh, there's a book I read uh, uh, the art of execution I can't remember it was by the G- XGE guys and uh, mm-hmm. there is really about the the scorecard and getting you know if you can well define what the goals are and what people are being measured by then you know just pulse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll 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 do it right they'll be, be excited about doing it because right. you've given them uh the tools that they can do to get their job and right. Right. you know what you've described what the mountain is and yeah, uh they, there's they
0: know what to do and they they know that it's I mean, it's up to them to get it done so
1: yeah and if people make mistakes people are going to make mistakes yeah. right and you totally. just gotta as long as the thinking was there then it's 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 fantastic right yeah yeah agreed now
0: i feel like this question usually you know gets gets really people thinking, so if you could go back to when you first started active demand, what would be the one thing that you think would have made things differently in in a positive way
1: yeah and it's uh, it is a it is a good question and um uh, yeah it's it's uh and, you know, I've, I spend a lot of time on strat- strategic thinking and we do, we have a process here that is um, since day one, we have followed is uh, building a strategic plan, pulsing the strategic plan, and uh, then, you know, basically mapping out where the mountain is, walk up the mountain, look back, see you made mistakes on. Right. So there's been lots of mistakes, but it hasn't been where all of a sudden I'm in the wrong country, you know, with uh, a bunch of people I don't know and I had, don't have any tools around me. It's, It's never been that case because we've done this very strategic path. I would say the one thing that I would be, uh, would have changed is, um, and it was sort of new to me was, uh, Uh, virtual versus uh, in a building right and uh, we went virtual and I think it would have been faster if we would have just bit the bullet put everybody in house and hired Mm -hmm. in-house and everybody in the same physical location because that was a thing that we changed probably a year ago and the benefits have been fantastic of uh, just getting people to look in each other's eyes and, you know, collaborate. So if I was to change, I would say go back and uh, uh, get out of the virtual and um, get fixed office space and, and hire people that are uh, geographically right. uh, together. Because when you're small, it's uh, communication is critical. And uh maybe when you get big you'll have you can afford to have uh hoteling and all this other stuff where people are virtual and but I think when you're small uh you, the communication's important, yeah, and it keeps you from getting too lonely well <laughs> oh, it ain't the lonely it 's just that you know you're you, you don't uh a lot of the mistakes I look back at are because it was really just communication. Right. Uh, you know, we planned this and this is what we plan. Okay. Then off they go and the, uh, fighting the daily fires, right. but there's things that happen inside the, the environment of, a, of, a, of, an office that totally. you, you can hear. Okay. Like, yeah, I like, can go help yeah. or whatever. Right. It's the communication is, 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 what it solves. And yeah. even with like, uh, we use Slack and we've used uh, video conferencing all the time for mm-hmm. our remote folks, but it's not the same as sitting in an office.
0: Yeah. I understand that. Uh you brought up a couple of books when we were talking is there one that helped you a lot you know throughout this entire process.
1: Well, uh and I the art of execution I can't remember who wrote that. It's one of these books that I've read many times over the years but blue ocean <laughs> strategies is another one that I think was uh was a really good one because it sort of um it sort of talked about uh uh just the whole product mix and uh, how to be, it's okay to 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 enter an ocean, but think about who's there. And and uh, you can differentiate by just uh, playing with uh, the parts of the product, et cetera. So uh, that's been, cool. it's been, it's a pretty good book. Yeah. Okay. Interesting, very cool.
0: If you had one piece of advice to give to anyone that's listening, everyone that's, you know, a SaaS founder or starting a company or something like that, what would that be?
1: Um. I would say, uh, yeah, pick, pick some, doesn't matter what you're doing is pick something that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, something you're passionate. About. I know it's, it sounds cliche, but you know, I'm, I absolutely have always loved, uh, the, the, the concepts of automation and marketing automation and marketing and all of this type of stuff. So it's like every day I'm excited about, uh, uh the product and excited about what we're doing with the product. So it's, uh, yeah, the, I would say, actually, if I was to reverse it, I'd say the one thing pick people that you enjoy being with, because, yeah. uh, it's back to that. It doesn't matter how exciting the product is. If you can't stand the people you work with, yeah. it's going to be painful. Right. Totally.
0: Totally. I agree with that. And, uh, where can people find you online, Sean?
1: Yeah. So LinkedIn is probably the best. Uh, you know, it's, uh, um, LinkedIn, Leonard, Sean backwards. I have two first names Mm -hmm. and the Sean Leonard was already taken, but, uh, yeah, or our websites like, uh, definitely check us out. We have about 3000 pages of content on our active demand site Mm -hmm. and, uh, the funnel flyer site is we're very excited about it. It's a, uh, uh, it's a product that is, uh, it is in the actual blue ocean. There's not a lot of competitors, which has been kind of nice. And, uh, we, we have a tech stack that's absolutely crazy. So, uh, yeah, either I would say LinkedIn or come and check out our websites.
0: Perfect. And lastly, do you have any questions for me?
1: Yeah. So you, you, you engage with, uh, with, uh, SAS vendors on a, uh, and startups, uh, uh, do you see, what would you say if you were to look and all the people you've chatted about, what's the, is there a, some kind of a pattern that you see that is uh, as far as startups and success as you hear people, you've been asking these same questions. Yeah. What, what would be the one pattern you saw out of all of these, uh, these conversations you're having?
0: The one thing that has stood out the most, and I've heard a lot of people say it is um, don't don't stop doing unscalable things, right? So always do something unscalable, whether that's calling your customers uh, or, or something like that, just to keep that kind of human connection with everything, especially when you're, you know, SaaS, everything's very autom- automated and, and yeah. digital things like that. So that's the one. But I also heard somebody else from Bear Metrics, um, his name is Corey Haynes. He brought it up um, on our call last time where I brought that up and he said, not necessarily unscalable things because... A lot of the things can be scaled now, right? With automation, which was interesting to me. And he said, just don't automate everything where yeah. you still are able to keep that, you know, that, that human touch, obviously. And people enjoy that, you know, uh, you talk about B2B marketing, uh, C 2 uh, C marketing, yeah. and really it's, it comes down to, uh, you know, actually doing like H2H where it's human to human um, and again, goes back to the whole automation thing, but that's, that's the one is not doing everything, you know, like hands off essentially.
1: Yeah. There's real people, there's real people buying. That's good. A good, uh, a good pattern that you've observed uh, in this is that uh, like we are, our business is absolutely, uh, we're in the the creep business, like, like I said, but the, when I'm pitching to people, even our product, I say, realize that they're, there's still people, right? People are buying from people. And uh, you got to bring the, send the robot out of the room and bring the person into the room, right? Right. So uh, yeah, not everything can be automated, but yeah, very, very interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: So thanks again, Sean, for being on here. It was a pleasure having, I think that you gave a lot of insights on how to scale, how to profitably build a business and just essentially be happy doing it as well. So uh, thank you so much for being on here, and for anyone's watching, listening, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, give us a like, leave a comment, and listen to your flavor on your favorite platform. And uh, thanks again, Sean. Speak soon. Excellent. Right, bye bye. Thanks, man.